Lord Jesus, thank You so much that we can look again into Your Word, into the Scriptures. And Lord, I pray for the outpouring of the Lord Jesus Christ to fill our hearts. Father, teach us from Your Word, I pray, and impact the young hearts, I pray. Father, I ask that You take Your Word, which is so anointed, and impact our hearts because of this Word. Teach us Your ways, O God, and make us more like Jesus. For His glory. Amen. <clears throat> we have been covering the, the teachings of Jesus on marriage and divorce. We have covered for the last uh, three weeks out of uh, Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10. The same incident. And we've read that many times. And now what I want to do is I want to look at some other teachings in the Scriptures that complement that. Because probably, I would say that one of the largest struggles that young Christians and non-Christians have is in the sexual realm. And also, this doesn't just end the day that you get married. The troubles often follow right into marriage. So what I want to do is I want to read some teachings from the Scriptures that, that are given for our edification to build us up. So if you would look in, uh, <clears throat> in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 is, is, is near the middle of your Bible. And uh, you'll find Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to start reading from verse 1. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Okay, so, so listen at the appeal of a father. This is a father <clears throat> speaking to his son. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Think about this. This is the picture of a father speaking to his son, warning his son about the things that need to be done. He says, treasure my commandments within you. He says, keep these commandments in verse 2 and live. If you keep these commandments, you will live. We want life for ourselves. We want life for our children. He says, listen to this and you will live. He says, bind them on the fingers, on your fingers, in verse 3, write them on the tablet of your heart. Take this word and write it on the tablet of your heart. This is something that we really want to take hold of. <clears throat> he says, call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you, in verse 5, from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. So, look at what happens. Look, look at the first thing he warns us about. He says that there are going to be people that are going to come into our life that are going to flatter us with their words. Flattery is to say something like, uh, um, hey, you're really something. You're funny. You're strong. If you have a woman say that to a man, hey, you're really strong. I mean, that guy is going to be like, whoa. <laughs> he is going to be thinking about that, I'm telling you, he's going to be thinking about that for days. <clears throat> Just that one little comment. He's going to be thinking about that for days. 
If a woman says to a, uh, uh, says to a man, hey, you're, you're really funny. Every time that woman comes in that man's presence, he's going to try to say something witty. It's all it takes. Just a little bit of flattery is all it takes to grab a man's heart. This father is saying, watch out for that. Watch out for the flattery. Then he starts telling a story in verse 6. For I was at the window of my house, and I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive, and I discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. So he starts telling a story. This is the best way to teach. If I can figure out in my lectures, in chemistry, how to put the lecture in the, in the context of a story, I know I'm going to get the students. Everybody wants a story. Yeah, 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 tell me a story, tell me a story. All kids want a story. <clears throat> so he starts telling them a story. So you see the insight of this father. He tells his son a story. He says, I saw among the naive and I discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. He said, I saw a young man and the young man I'm going to tell you about, he was naive and he lacked sense. In verse 8, passing through the street near her corner, he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night and in the darkness. So what does he do? The first mistake this naive and, and uh, lacking sense man did is he passed near her corner and he took the way to her house. So he just started going toward her house. Let me tell you what, what young men are like. And the reason I know this is because I have been there. One day, I was even praying. Lord, if you... I was a freshman in college and I was saying, Lord, if... if if you want me to get to know this young lady, this was a particular young lady, then let me meet her today. Well, what did I do? I didn't just, you know, she was on the other side of campus in the girls' dormitory, in a, in a, in a girls' dormitory. I was on, on the far side of campus in a co-ed dorm. We had our cafeteria. They had their cafeteria. But you could, work, you could eat in any cafeteria, just like at Rice. You could eat anywhere you want. Well, I went to her girl's dorm to happen to eat lunch. And I happened to see her there. Oh, you're here. Huh. Must be a sign. This is what the heart of young men is like. This is a foolish young man. Look what he says. He says he took the way to her house. He was passing by her corner. So first, he passing through the street near her corner. So, he just happened to walk by on the corner and, well, she happened not to be there. And then he takes the way to her house. Well, <clears throat> I, don't have, I have to get a little bit closer now. I have to get near her house. It's, it's like, have you ever done this? You, you just kind of walk by their room and just maybe they happen to come out and maybe your hand bumps up against the door as you're going by or something. I mean, this type of thing is not unusual. This type of thing happens. And he says, and he takes the way to her house. So the corner wasn't good enough. She didn't show up. Then he takes the way to her house. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. Verse 10, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. And behold, I mean, here's a sign. Well, what do you expect? You went right by her house. 
dressed as a harlot, and she came to meet him. And she's boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. Oh, men like a boisterous and rebellious woman. They like to connect. They like to sleep with a boisterous and rebellious woman. But they don't want to marry one of those. No way. Men don't like to marry boisterous and rebellious women. But they're great for a hookup. That's what they like. Men don't want a woman who's in the streets and in the squares. But they want to hook up with a woman like that. That's what they want. So woman, if you feel that you need to be like that to get a man, just remember, oh, men love that for a hookup. But they don't want that for a wife. No way. It's a very different thing that men want with a wife. In fact, they want just the opposite in a wife. She's now in, the, in verse 12. Uh, uh, verse 11, she's boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. Remember, if you meet a woman in a bar, you're going to get a barmaid. Not going to make a great wife because she's going to want to be in the bar after you get married too. Woman, you meet a man in a bar, not a great place to meet a man. It tells you what kind of places he likes to frequent. And after marriage, he'll be in the bar as well. You meet a young man in church. You meet a young woman in church. You meet a young person in service. And you will get a person who likes to serve. This is why I tell young women, you want to find a husband, do dishes. You want to find a husband, do dishes. Go into these groups and go into these people, in, into places where people are eating and get in there and just start doing the dishes. Because that's the lowliest of jobs that you can do in that place. And you just stand there week after week, day after day, you do the dishes and some man's going to come by and notice you. That works. In fact, that's how I noticed Shireen. She was, we were in the same church, and, and uh, um, we had a, a, a fellowship gathering, and we used to, it was a small church, and people used to, we had what was called the cover dish meals, and people would bring food so that after the service we would get together as a church and we would eat. And her family brought a bunch of food, so we used to do this every Sunday, except on the months when there was a fifth Sunday of the month. That was a free Sunday. It was the fifth Sunday of the month, but her family didn't realize that. So they brought all this food. And I was living in a house with a bunch of other Christian guys. And we saw this family come with a bunch of food. And we said, uh, you could bring it over our house right by the church there. We lived in a, in a discipleship program house. And they, so they brought the food over and we just wanted to eat. Well, I went into the kitchen because it was my job that summer in the house to do the dishes. And so I went in the kitchen to do the dishes. And Shireen was in the kitchen doing dishes. So, she, so her parents were there and her brothers and sisters were there. And she went in the kitchen and was doing dishes. And I saw this young lady doing dishes. And I said, oh, you can go. It's my job to do the dishes. And she looked over at me and she said, I like to do dishes. It was like Popeye. My heart burst out of my chest. It just started throbbing. Boom, boom, boom. Has this ever happened to you? That, that, that you meet somebody and, and your heart just boom, boom, boom. I mean, this is all a chemical thing, actually. There are these small molecules that cause this to happen. It really is. There's, there's a reason for this, but has this ever happened to you? Does this happen anymore these days? But... 
And, and so I said, okay, you want to do dishes? And I started drawing. And so she started telling me, yeah, I like to do dishes. She said, you know, I don't even like to see men do this sort of thing. I said, I, she said, my brother sometimes will pick up a vacuum and I take it away from them. I don't even like to see them vacuum. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> it was from that time that I could not get my mind off this young girl. And I prayed for months and months, Lord, just... Is this, is this of you or is it not? And that's when I went and I shared with the, after several months of praying and it just got more and more, it didn't get less and less. I went and shared with the pastors of the church and I've told you this where I wanted, I wanted a third party to give me some evaluation here. You find a woman in service, that's a great thing to have. You find a young man in service, find a young man that goes on mission trips, find a young man that serves. Those make very good husbands. Verse 13, so she seizes him and kisses him, and with brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Look at this. She seizes him and she kisses him. You don't want a wife that walks up to men and kisses them. You don't want a wife like this. And generally you don't want a husband like this unless they're like Brazilian or something. Then that's just part of the culture. You know, they, just, they just kiss every woman they see and there's really nothing in it. And, and uh, I have a student in my research group. He's from uh, um, Uruguay. I mean, I, I tell him, I say, you just, you just got it so good. You can just walk up and kiss all these women and they don't smack you. If I did the same thing, I'd get smacked. Because to him, it's nothing. It's just a cultural thing. But in our culture, here, you don't do that. And you don't want a woman who walks up to men and is kissing them all the time. With brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offering today. offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Oh, she's a Christian. Peace offering. She paid her vows. So all of a sudden, there's one little thing about religion in this. And oh yeah, well, you know, they, they must be okay. And so I ask people when they tell me about this person that they met, I said, are they believers? Oh, yeah, 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 I think so. So what do you mean you think so? There's one day a, a young lady who had been in this class, a fine young lady. I mean, Shereen and I used to talk about her all the time, about what a fine young lady she was. She graduated and she was working, uh, she got a job like in Pearland or something, and so she started attending another church. And about a year later, she called and she called and she talked to Shereen. She said, I want you and Dr. Tour to meet this man that I met. He's a great guy and we're thinking of getting engaged and I want Dr. Tour to meet him. And Shereen said, is he a believer? And she said, well, not really, but he's a great guy. And Shereen said, oh, Dr. Tour, you don't want him to meet this guy because he is going to ask this guy for some questions and he's going to find out. And he's going to tell you, don't get engaged to him. You don't want to marry this guy. Well, that girl never called back. She never brought him. Why? Because what happens is you start getting involved with a person you don't want to hear the truth. Because these chemicals start coming in, they start masking over, and they take hold of our will and our emotions and our sin, and we don't want to hear what God has to say. We don't want to hear what God's Word has to say. And just a little bit, if all the guy can do is say, Lord, thank you for the food, Amen. He's not a believer. That means nothing. Just to say that means nothing. That is just a bunch of tradition which 
masks over how little is really there. I can pray with a person and I know how often they pray. Just by their ability to pray. If you pray a lot, you're able to speak to the Lord quite fluently. If you never pray, it's hard to speak to the Lord. You don't know really what to say or how to say it. I can sit with anybody for three minutes and I know if they're a believer and if they are a believer, whether they're really involved in Christian service and how passionate they are. Three minutes. You give me three minutes with anyone. I can find out. I just ask a few questions. Verse 15, Therefore I have come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly and I have found you. I mean, look at this. Therefore, I've come out to meet you and to seek your presence earnestly and I've found you. Imagine a young woman saying this to you. would be like, Yeah. <sighs> Perceptive lady. She really sees a lot in me. Oh, please. I mean, really, if she knew what you were really like, she wouldn't be saying that. And you know it. But how easily the flattering word of a woman can just take us and remove us from our senses. And remember, the Bible characterized this young man as a young, naive man lacking sense. Verse 16, I have spread my couch with coverings with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. When a woman starts describing her bed, her room, things about her undergarments, run. Run. Joseph was being hit upon by Pharaoh's wife. And he was working in that home. She said, come and lie with me. And she grabbed hold of him. Joseph didn't say, hey, look, I'm a strong guy. I can handle this. Bring it on. You'll see. Nothing will happen to me. He didn't do that. He ran. He just ran. God has endowed young people with the ability to run really well. (laughs) You run. You flee from these things, young man. You flee from them, young lady. You go. You leave. This is the way you deal with this temptation. You don't just stay there and think, oh, she can bring it on. It's not going to bother me. You will fall. You will crumble. Use the gift that God has given you in your legs and run. Woman, flee from these things if a young man starts to do this. I was talking with an, with, with an older woman and, and she, she's, she's a believer. She's never been married. And she said, yeah, the third date, you have to ask them, where is this going? Are you a believer? It means a lot to me. And I'm thinking, why the third date? Why the third date? Some of you are going to graduate, young ladies, are going to graduate this year or next year or the next year, and and you're going to find yourself in companies. And there's going to be 30-year-old men hitting on you, and you're 22 and 23 years old. A big question is, are they divorced? Because if they are divorced, and they haven't been the innocent party in the divorce that went through a legitimate divorce, and we talked about the reasons for legitimate divorce, and there's only two in the New Testament. 
And the best way was, is still never to divorce. But if you are going to, there's only two reasons to. If it wasn't one of those legitimate reasons, they are adulterers if they remarry. So I would say from the first day, you say, look, I love Jesus Christ. Do you? I'll tell you, that'll scare him off if he doesn't believe. But if he believes, he'll be like, you love Jesus? There's nothing wrong. You name the name of Jesus. The name of, a long, of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the scriptures say, is a strong tower and those who run into it are safe. When a woman starts describing her bed or her clothing, her undergarments, there's a problem. I know a young man, he was working in a place in this, and, and he was working in a rescue mission. And this girl was showing him the beds and she kept stroking the beds and was showing him the beds that she was setting up there. And he knew what she was getting at. And he ran. One day, my, my daughter was very young and she was, we took her to this home of these uh, people in the church. She was playing with these other little kids and, I, and Sharina dropped her off and I went to pick her up. And the man wasn't at home and the woman was. And, and um, uh, I, was, I was really impressed by this house because it was right at the end of a cul-de-sac and there were these big fields and woods and I thought, wow, this is a great place for kids. She said, yeah. I said, this is a nice house right in the cul-de-sac. She said, oh, let me show you the house. And she t- led me, and my daughter's only like three years old, and she's out there playing with, with her kids, and her husband's in the home, and she led me into her bedroom. And her bed was not made. Now, a woman doesn't do this. A woman doesn't bring a stranger into her bedroom, especially when the bed is not made. And I turned around and I grabbed my daughter and I left. And I never went back to that house and I never talked to that woman again. And a year later, she and her husband got a divorce and she ran off with another man. That was her character. That was her character. There was, a, there was once a, a, a young woman who her and her husband lived, lived uh, in the apartment above us when, when we were in graduate school. And they were having a lot of marital troubles. And I was ministering to her husband and sometimes we would minister to them as a couple because we had meetings in our home and we would invite them in sometimes. And, and, uh, and I was talking a lot with her husband. And one day she came to visit. Her husband wasn't in. She came to visit our home and she sat down on the couch and started talking to us. And when she left, Shireen said, I don't like the way she looks at you. Now, I was newly married and I didn't understand that women have a sixth sense about other women. Women really know other women. I didn't know that. I know that now. She can read, Shireen can read other women like I will never be able to read them. <clears throat> she said, I don't like the way she looks at you. And I was thinking, I mean, she needs help. I don't know what you're talking about. And I just dismissed it. Well, we continued ministering to them. And then one day in the lab, I got a phone call. There were no cell phones in those days. She actually called the lab phone and asked for me. And I came on the phone. She says, uh, Jim, uh, 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 Joe, that was her husband. Joe just beat me and I have bruises all over my body. I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'll send Shereen. She said, no, you have got to see these bruises. I said, well, I'll send Shereen. She said, I want you to see these bruises on my body. And these verses that I have memorized just came back into my mind. And I said, Shireen will call you. And I hung up. 
And I called Shireen. I said, you go get this other girl, Anne, and go visit her because this is what she said and I'm not going near that house. And sure enough, she became a very seductive woman. But Shireen saw it long before I did. Women start describing these sort of things. Run. Run from them. That's not what you want. And if you think, oh, you're in marriage, now it can't hurt you because you got your wife and you know everything's taken care of. Uh-uh. You flee from these things. And women, you have a man start coming on to you, just flee from it. They're not of God. Flee from them. <clears throat> Verse 19, For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. And he's taken a bag of money with him. At, at the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. The man melts at the words of a woman. The words of a woman can melt a man because she can say a few things and he starts feeling really full of himself and then she's got him. Verse 22, Suddenly he follows her <clears throat> as an ox goes to the slaughter and as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. How much more explicit could the Lord be? As an ox goes to the slaughter. You go to a slaughterhouse and you just see these and they're just walking up the ramp, totally clueless that it's going to cost them their life once they get to the top of that ramp. It's over. This is how the Word of God describes them. Until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. It will cost your life. It will cost your life. I have seen men fall into adultery. It costs them everything. It costs them their family. It costs them their career, their jobs. Everything. Everything falls apart. You mess around with these things. It costs you your life. You say, well, I'm not married, so it's not going to cost me my life. It will cost you. I guarantee you, it will cost you. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me. And pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down. And numerous are all her slain. And her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. How much more clear could the guy be? You follow this? It's destruction. You say, well, you know, we're planning to be married, so it's okay. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You don't know for sure that you're going to marry them. And now, what happens is, you start going into a sexual relationship before marriage, and I don't care what culture or what society says, the Word of God says differently for a reason, and the Word of God will outlive you and me and this culture and this society. You start getting involved in these things before marriage, and what happens when you get into marriage, there will be a lack of trust between the two of you. Because when you break moral standards before marriage, they become much easier to break when in marriage. And the woman would look at this man and think, well, he, he broke all moral standards with me before marriage. And now he's in that office with that secretary who's really a hot lady. And I've asked him about it and he says, no, no, everything's cool. But I know he's broken moral standards before marriage. And the man will look at the lady and say to himself, oh, what a decent, upright-looking lady, but I know what she's really like because she broke all moral standards with me before marriage. 
How do I know she's not going to go with some other guy when she's on a business trip? How do I know? You break moral standards before marriage. It brings in distrust into marriage. This is why the Word of God speaks to us. I am not condemning anyone. I'm not condemning anyone. Look in, in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In the New Testament, you'll have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then Thessalonians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, then Thessalonians. We're in the first book of Thessalonians. Chapter 4. We're reading from verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. As for other matters, my other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of, G- of the Lord Jesus. Look at the way the man defines it. Paul defines this thing. I am giving you instruction that is directly from the Lord Jesus. Verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, sanctified means set apart. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Look at what it says. He is speaking to believers here because he's making reference to the things that unbelievers do. He says, you should learn to control your body. If you remember what I told you last time, only you, only you can make the decision that you want to walk in holiness with the Lord in the sexual realm. Only you. I can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse. Nobody can do this for you. It is, do you want to walk holy with the Lord? If the answer is yes, I want to walk holy with the Lord, you can do it. He says that each of you should learn to control your own body. The Word of God would not say that we could have success in this if there were no success able to be reached. He says, you are to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Our society, our culture says everything is fine. You can hook up all you want. But you see, the society's uh, 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 levels of what you can do just keep changing. Just keep changing. Things that even five years ago were totally unacceptable or is totally acceptable today. I grew up through the 60s. I saw the lovins. I saw the, the, the couples that were, as a kid, I saw couples that were, there were, there, there were, there were uh, spouse swapping. And the destruction that came from that. And all the lovins. You think that orgies are a new thing? The Bible talks about them in the Old Testament. They're not a new thing. And I saw the destruction that came upon those people and that generation. The Word of God stands and stands forever and will not change because God knows what's right for us. 
And he says, you're not to be walking passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Because the antithesis of this is, you know God, you don't have to walk like that. The unbelievers have no ability to overcome sin. They cannot. The Bible says you are a slave to sin before you know Jesus Christ. Until His Spirit fills you, you are a slave to sin. And if you don't know Jesus, get to know Jesus. Or else you cannot control your passions, your lusts, your angers, your desires. Verse 6, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Don't take advantage of a brother or sister in this. Remember, they're a child of God. And even if she's weak, all the more reason. Remember who her father is. The best thing that you can do to get a man to like you is not to be good to him, but be good to his child. If somebody is kind to my child, That somebody is my friend. They're my friend. You want to be my friend? Be kind to my child. You do something for my child, you're my friend. More than if you've done it for me. You love my child, I will love you. It works with God too. You love His Son, He loves you. You start going after, in a sexual realm, one of His children, and there is trouble. Don't take advantage, it says, of a brother or a sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. How much more explicit do you want them to be? The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. The God who gives us His Holy Spirit, you reject if you reject this teaching. I am not judging anyone. The Word of God in in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 lists all these different sins. And then it says, and such were some of you. But you've been called, but you've been sanctified. From this day, make a decision. To walk uprightly before the Lord. And if you're in a relationship that is not glorifying to God, break the relationship. For goodness sake, break the relationship. And if it's of God, let the relationship, after a time of separation, be rekindled in a proper way. Where you seek third-party counseling. And you never get alone with that individual. Because a man cannot take it to be alone with a woman. And a woman cannot take it to be alone with a man very often. So you're not alone with that individual because you're going to end up in bed together. Your feet will start touching underneath the table and before you know it, you're touching other places and before you know it, you're in bed because that is the nature of man. That is the nature of woman. I know it because I've been there. You can walk holy and you make a commitment. I will never be in an apartment alone with her. When Shireen and I were engaged, we were chaperoned. And we were glad for it. We went out usually with her brother and her sister-in-law. Or we were together with another one of her brothers and her sister-in-law. We were together. Or we were together in family gatherings. And the phone works just fine. You want to have a private conversation? Speak on the phone. Works just fine. You got unlimited minutes with your you know, family and friends or whatever that is, that plan. You can go to Starbucks. You're generally not going to end up in bed in Starbucks. You can go and sit there. Talk all you want. Be 
alone enough in Starbucks. There are steps you take to rekindle the relationship in a proper way. There are steps you take to guard the relationship. And man, this is mainly your responsibility. It is mainly your responsibility to guard this relationship and let it walk in a sanctified manner. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, for how explicit your word really is. And I pray for these young people that you grant them great success and great victory in their lives in the sexual realm. Father, our culture is throwing so many things at, at us, and particularly at these young people, saying that which is evil is good, and that which is good is evil. And Father, I pray that they would come back to the Word of God and do what is right, lest they be punished by you severely for disobeying. Father, I pray that they would desire deep within their hearts to walk rightly and not in lustful passions. Because if they make that decision, I know your grace is there. And Father, for those here who don't know you, who have no control over their lust and their passions and their desires, Father, I pray that they would pray the prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life Come into my life and forgive me because I am a sinner. And rebuild in me the things of God. Father, that you would so fill their lives with the power of the Holy Spirit that they would have power over sin and be able to walk in your way. May the grace of God be upon these young people. In the name of Jesus. Amen.